Acts chapter 2 is the traditional scripture for this day on, uh, on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, I'd invite you to stand for the reading of the New Testament uh, this morning. This is a story that, uh, that is taking place, and it's tough to just take a piece of the story. So we're going to look at the 21 verses here that uh, comprise this incredible moment in the life of followers of Jesus. From verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hear them in our own native language? Parthian, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them, said they'd had too much wine. And then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Father, as we talk a little about this passage today, may it not just be words that are on a page, but we invite the presence of your spirit. Help me not to get in the way of what you would say to us today. Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Well, welcome to the celebration of Pentecost. Pentecost is sometimes described as the birthday of the church. More properly, it's known as the day in which the Holy Spirit descended upon the believers and empowered them to do amazing things. Jesus said, I am going away, but I am sending one, one who will come after me and one who will be with you and you will not be alone. See, Jesus could be with his disciples in just one place, but the power of the Spirit could blow across all of his people. The word spirit in both Hebrew and Greek means breath or wind. Both a a breath or a breeze are, are appropriate images or ways to think about the Holy Spirit at work in the world. You remember when God created Adam, he, he breathed into him the breath of life. In other words, God breathed into him his own spirit. And the point is, is, is that the Holy Spirit breathes new life into the believer so that we might experience the presence of God, not just in a book somewhere or not just at an altar at one place in our life, we might experience the presence of God daily 
in our lives. Our lesson today comes from the second chapter of Acts, and it demonstrates the, the giving of the Holy Spirit, this Holy Spirit in action. The, the day of Pentecost has come, and the disciples are all in one place. The, the King James Version says the disciples were all in one place and of one accord. I read that when I was a kid, and I didn't really understand that. I thought maybe all the disciples drove Hondas or something, and they all fit in to get the Honda Accord. I didn't say it was a good joke. I was just a weird kid, okay? So uh, those were the things I thought about. But here they are, these disciples. They're all gathered together. Pentecost, it literally is translated 50th day. It was originally the Jewish holy day celebrated on the 50th day after the Sabbath of Passover week. It is one of the annual feasts of the Jewish people. It is, it is one of the top three. It is the big three. There's Passover, there's Pentecost, and there is the Feast of the Booths. The fact is that since it was Pentecost and such a, it was a, a, major, a major holiday, Jerusalem was filled. People from all over the known world, Jews from all over, had come and had gathered in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was overflowing with people. And on the day of Pentecost, the apostles were there as well. They are gathered in one accord. They are gathered together. I think a, maybe a better translation was they are huddled together. They're, they're huddled together because Jesus has said, you know, I've I got this mission. I've got this commission. We talked about that a, a few weeks ago. And yet they really haven't done anything about it. They, they still are huddling and waiting and fearful. What happens next? We would need Hollywood special effects to do it justice. But suddenly the sound of a of a rushing, blowing, violent wind came and filled the house. And the apostles uh, seemed to see tongues of fire that separated and came and rested upon each of them. And suddenly they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in languages as the Spirit enabled them. The phenomena then would spill out into the streets. It was causing attention. It's starting to cause a ruckus. Can you just imagine what was taking place? And re remember, Jerusalem is packed. It's packed, and this wind is taking place, and this noise is taking place, and, and the, the disciples are beginning to, to speak. Jerusalem is packed with, with people from all over the known world. And when they leave there, they will go out into all the areas of the world. Do you think this happens by happenstance? Can you think of a better way that the gospel of Jesus would be taken from there and then into all the places of the world by those who had gathered for this holiday? When the visitors heard the sounds of the disciples speaking in the different languages, they are bewildered, they are, they are confused because they hear in their own language being spoken. They're utterly amazed. They say, aren't these the ones that are speaking? Aren't they Galileans? How, how are we able to understand them? And, and uh, a modern-day version, I think they're essentially saying, how are these uneducated rednecks speaking in all of these languages? It's a good question. How are they? There really is only one answer. If you accept a story that is true, there really is only one answer. It's a miracle. It is God at work. There is no way the disciples could pull that off on their own. Utterly amazed. The miracle is not just, sometimes we think of the miracle of Pentecost as a miracle of language. I, I think it's at least a miracle, as much a miracle of, as hearing. Not just a miracle of tongue, but a, but a miracle of ear. For all those that were there heard and understood in the language that they knew. Amazed and perplexed, they said, what does this mean? Confusion. You can imagine the crowds. You can imagine the confusion. And some of them said, you know, it must just be that they've had too much wine. 
And then there's this moment, and I confess to you, it's, it's probably one of my favorite moments in, in Scripture. There's this moment where, where Peter stands up with the other 11. And you can think of all the confusion and all the things that are taking place, and Peter is, is going to address the crowd. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite moments because it's, it's Peter, it's these disciples. Remember, they've been huddled. They've been huddled in this room. And all of a sudden, they have this, this, this holy boldness. And Peter stands up, and you can hear him, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Israel, let me explain to you what is taking place. Listen carefully to what I say, and, and you can kind of picture the crowd beginning to settle down and to listen to his words. And he says, these people are not drunk, as you've said. It's only nine in the morning. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. Interesting, ladies, notice. He says both men and women. This is a culture that is very man-dominated. This is a culture that is very patriarch-dominated. But already in this moment, the Holy Spirit is beginning to break down those barriers and saying, I have a plan for every human being, man and woman, to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then Peter tells the story of Jesus. And when he finishes, the writer of Acts tells us that those who accepted his message were baptized. So, so probably not all accepted, but those who accepted his message were baptized, and the number was 3,000 people. 3,000 people came to faith and were baptized that day. And this is the day the church was born. A mighty movement that began and would shake the world and is still shaking the world. The Holy Spirit would, would take a handful of, of uneducated men from a rural region of an obscure part of the Middle East, and he would start a movement that 2,000 years later is still preparing the world for the kingdom of God. Not just for the kingdom of God that shall come one day, but the kingdom of God that is breaking in daily to the lives of those who call upon his name. It's an amazing story. It's a wonderful story. But the question for us becomes, how does the story of Acts chapter 2, how does it flow into our own lives? How, how do the ripples of the baptism of that day continue to flow out into our day today? Let me just share a few things with you about that. I, I think first, we ought to recognize that Pentecost is a God thing. It really was God. It could have been nothing else but God. And there are times that God chooses to rush in like a, like a, a, a flowing wind, and there are times that his Holy Spirit, we read later and we understand later, works as a still, small voice. Both are just as powerful in the believer's life. A professor sits at his desk one evening working on his lectures for the next day. His housekeeper comes in and lays down his mail and his newspaper, and, and he begins to sort through it, and he's throwing most of his mail, like you and I do, most of it in the trash. And, and he notices that there is a... A magazine there, it's, um, has an, a magazine that doesn't even have his name on it. It wasn't even supposed to be his. It, it ended up in his box somehow by mistake. And he looks at the magazine, and it, and it falls open to an article, the title of the article, The Needs of the Congo Mission. And casually, he begins to read the article, and he is struck by these words. Quote, the need is great here. We have no one to work the northern province in the central Congo. And it is my prayer as I write this article 
that God will lay his hand on one, one to whom he's already had his eyes upon, and that he or she will be called to this place to help us. And Professor Albert Schweitzer closes the magazine and takes out his journal and writes, my search is over. And he would give his life to the work of the Congo. A little article hidden away in a periodical that was intended for someone else and placed in Schweitzer's mailbox. By chance, the title happens to come out to him. Was it chance? See, we believe in the God who works not just in the rushing wind. We believe in the God who works in the quiet whisper. We believe in the God who is constantly calling and, and Schweitzer would go on, and his work would touch millions of believers around the world, but it began with listening to the work of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it is the rushing wind, and sometimes it is the still small voice, but God is calling his people to himself. But at Pentecost, God worked in such a way that no open-minded person could doubt that this was a God-breathed event. First there's the wind, then there's the tongues of fire, then there's the gift of inspired speech. I, uh, I, I fly a fair amount, and I've noticed in the airport, in some of the larger airports, they have this, uh, uh, there's often kind of a, a kiosk that has these uh, yellow boxes in them. And the yellow boxes have different languages, Rosetta Stone. Have you seen these? And, and you can go and you can spend a whole bunch of money and you can get tapes and CDs and you can listen and listen and listen and listen. And maybe after 72 years, maybe, you might have mastered part of something to listen to. And I thought about that as I was thinking about the difficulty of language and the difficulty of learning and, and what's available, what's for sale at the airport counter came free on that day to the disciples on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit of God filled them. It could have been nothing else but the God of miracles to allow them to speak the diverse languages that the cosmopolitan crowd of Jerusalem that day would understand. People in the crowd were bewildered that these nearby Galileans talking in languages all around the Mediterranean basin, the mighty wind, the tongues of fire, the speaking in many different languages, not from man, but from God. But I think maybe the best indication, or, or at least equal to the indication, that this is, is the real thing, that this really was God's Holy Spirit falling upon his people, is to simply look at the disciples themselves. They were the guys that were huddling in the room, right? They're the guys that are wondering, you know, let's just bar the door, let's not go out, let's not say who Jesus really is, uh, especially Simon Peter. He's the guy that when Jesus is arrested, he's the guy that, that runs away and denies Jesus because he's afraid. He's the guy that even after Jesus calls him and he sees all the miracles and he's invited to be a fisher of men, and then when Jesus goes away, he says, well, I guess I'll go back to fishing, I guess. And you see the difference in his life. You see the difference of someone who stands up on the day of Pentecost and boldly proclaims out loud to the thousands that are gathered there, Jesus is the Christ and he rose from the dead. And quite miraculously, 3,000 people heard that message and were baptized. And not only that, Peter would go on to build the church. You see, the trajectory of his life was different when he encountered the Holy Spirit of God. It changed. Could it be anything else than a God who changed the direction of his life because his Holy Spirit 
filled with power. Peter couldn't have done that on his own. Pentecost is definitely the invasion of God's spirit in the world. But here's maybe the most important thing for this morning. God things are still happening. God things are still happening anywhere. People will wait on the gift of God's spirit, and God's spirit will do great things in them. God didn't want to just do great things in the book of Acts. God desires that that continues in the world today. I, I hope you don't come to church and approach it as a, as a museum or a theater to be fascinated or entertained or to have all of your wants checked off. I, I hope you come here each week expecting and longing for the encounter of God's Spirit to, to push you a, a bit, to push you outside of the borders of your trust. I hope you come anticipating that the God of the universe meets you here. See, God isn't the one holding back. If anything holds back in our relationship with God, it's not God, it's us. We don't gather each week to simply pay our respects to the crucified Christ. We come with the, with the expectation that we might encounter his spirit in this place and that he might push us and call us and fill us with his love and call us to do things in his name. Pentecost is a God thing. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, God worked to lift the church to a new level of service. And on that first Pentecost, a movement began that continues today and has been entrusted to those of us in this place. That's a heavy thing to think about. And yet it wasn't the disciples who did the things they did. It was God's Spirit who worked in them. Can you be trusted to answer the call of God's spirit in your life, to be pushed to the, to the area that is beyond the borders of your trust, to grow your faith? Is the wind still blowing? Is the fire still burning? Is the water still parting? The spirit is willing to do his part if you and I will answer the call to be a disciple and all that that means. My prayer thinking about this week and going into this week, my prayer has been that Pentecost 2016 might be one of those moments that God's Spirit fills us and refills us and renews in us the passion we had at our own baptism. In those moments of being reminded of, of God who came and called us and calls us to a life of service and how easy for us it is to get to get weighed down by all the other things, but to return on this Pentecost 2016 to a God who empowers us to be who he has called us to be. See, if God really gets a hold of you, it changes you. And it's evidenced in one's life. If God really does something in your life, you can't help but tell people about it. We read that the Holy Spirit came, that the crowd believed, and they were baptized a sign of that belief. And so we invited today those who would like to take that step, who would like to, um, to testify to what God has done in their life through baptism. One in this service and two in the next. And I'm going to invite Scott Skiles to come. And uh, as he makes his way on up, on this day of Pentecost, on the day that the church was born, to celebrate as the early church celebrated.
Today we're gathered to celebrate the reaffirmation of the baptism of our friend Scott. Baptism is the sign and seal of a new covenant of grace attested by the Apostle Paul in the letter of Romans. He writes this, Romans 6. Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? Or we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Our friend Scott was baptized at an early age and yet has come to the place that he would like to um, reaffirm that baptism. One of the things that we talked about and have talked about over the last few weeks is is that baptism into into Christ, um, it, it took the first time from God's end. But there are times in our own life when we need to reaffirm that on our end. And so Scott wants to reaffirm that today. And I asked Scott, why, why do you want to take this step to remember the baptism that you've had, to reaffirm that? And, uh, and he asked me to read uh, these words. He says, I want to be baptized, so when I die, I go to see Jesus. I know that, um, that the Lord Jesus, I know him, I know that Jesus' son died to give me a new life, and I get to see him in heaven, my Lord Jesus. I know that he is the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and is to come, the Almighty God, and I am baptized that I love, and I know that I love God. So, Scott, I'm going to ask you some questions. You reaffirm your faith in Jesus Christ and publicly declare your ongoing life in Christ as he lives in you. If so, say, I do. Do you desire to participate in the sacrament of baptism and as an expression of deepened faith and trust in Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? If so, I do. Will you commit to following and allowing the Holy Spirit of Christ to transform your life from this day forward? If so, say, I will. Would you step in? I don't know how they pulled it off, 3,000 people that day, but it must have been quite a sight. And it must have been quite exciting. Would you just be seated right down there, Scott? Scott. Why don't you turn a little this way? Scott, it's an amazing privilege to think about the God who loves you and who, whose Holy Spirit works in and through you. And today we reaffirm the work that God began in you long ago. And today you reaffirm for yourself, the work that God is doing in you. And so it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Father, I just want to give thanks for Scott today, who just publicly wants to say in front of everybody here, you are his Lord and Savior and wants to reaffirm his commitment to you to be who you've called him to be, to live how you've called him to live, to let your Holy Spirit work in and through him. And we pray your blessing on him. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you just celebrate with Scott? got a couple others in the next service, and I, uh, but I wanted to end this way. There. 
Yeah. God, you remember the work of the Holy Spirit, right? That's... I want to end this way. I was reminded of a number of years ago when on a Pentecost Sunday, uh, John Snedden, who the Snedden's have moved away, but used to be one of our drummers, and John said, what would we do if God's Holy Spirit really did show up in that powerful a way? You know, when he said that, I thought, I don't know that I have that expectation. And I need to have that expectation that God could come in such a mighty and powerful way that would blow us all away. And I want to invite his spirit to come upon us and to work in us. We're going to sing a song that we already sang once this morning, but, but I'm going to invite for three ways for you to respond today. If, um, if as we sing, you thought to yourself, you know what, he was talking about that the last few weeks, and I, I was going to do that, or wish I'd have done that. You know, I realize you didn't bring any extra clothes. We have an extra shirt or so, but you're going home. If you want to come, I want to invite you to come. And um, we're going to get your clothes wet. But more than that, we're going to make a public proclamation. If, that, if that's anybody on anybody's heart, I want to invite you to do that. You come while we sing, and we'll do that. The second way that I could invite you to respond is, is when you witness a baptism event, you often are reminded of your own baptism, or ought to be. That moment in which you proclaimed this, this God, this Spirit, this Jesus Christ as your Savior. And we need to be reminded of that and renewed. What, what if we return to that? Return to that moment in which we just knew that God's Spirit was upon us in a powerful way. So the second way I'd invite you to respond, if you'd like, is, is as we sing... If you'd like to, if it would be something that, that would renew for you in a physical way, that you can just come up the aisle and come along this way as we sing. And, and if you want to come and just run your hand through the water as a reminder, and then move on, as a reminder of that day in which you publicly proclaimed in front of the church, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and his Holy Spirit walks with you. Remember your baptism. You could come and do that today. Or a third way. You could do it right in your seat. But here's what I'm concerned about. Whether it's one, two, or three, don't leave this day without being reminded of the God who walks with you, not just when you're in this place, but walks with you day in and day out, and who longs to be your comfort and your peace and your Savior. And to be reminded, if you've taken that step of baptism, that moment in which you recognize God's Holy Spirit at work and invite him. God, let me return to that. Come, Holy Spirit, and work in my life. Let's sing. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare for our living Your presence I've tasted and seen Of the sweetest of loves When my heart becomes free When my shame is undone 
Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Sing, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. In your presence. God, your glory is what our hearts long for as we sang that song. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. But God, may we change the words of the song and say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in me. In me, in the places, not just the places that are comfortable, but in the places where you have to push my borders out, in the places where you need to stretch me, in the places where you're going to grow me. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in me. And, and as we remember today, many of us, the, the moment in our life in which we publicly proclaimed this baptism into the, to the salvation of Jesus Christ. For some, that's not been so long ago. For some, it's been decades. And yet, God, you are as present today as you were then. And as we have remembered our baptism waters today, May we be reminded of the call that you've placed on our life. And sometimes we think we're inadequate to that call, but we've just been reminded about a whole bunch of disciples who were totally inadequate, who were hiding in a room, and yet the trajectory of their life radically changed when they let the Holy Spirit guide them and direct them. And so God, for us, for each one of us, as we remember your spirit and the baptism of our life, may the trajectory of our own life be adjusted. For some, maybe a couple degrees. For others, maybe a radical change. But what we want more than anything is to be exactly where you call us to be and to be who you've called us to be and the years and the moments and the days that we have left in this world to live it boldly, to stand in front of the crowd and say, men and women of Jerusalem, men and women of the world, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is alive and well. May it be so in us. May the trajectory of our week be different because your spirit has been with us in this place and goes with us. So God, may you, 
the God of all hope, the God of all peace, the God of all comfort by the power of your Holy Spirit. May you go with us. May we find places to serve and to love and to grow into the disciple of Jesus Christ. Bless us, we pray, in his name. Amen. Lord bless you as you go.